Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of John. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. And today, since it is Tuesday, we're going to be discussing the book of John, which is in the New Testament. You guys know on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I discuss the New Testament. And then on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I go back to the Old Testament and discuss that also. Check out the uh, description of this podcast episode, and you're going to find my contact information. That is my email address, my business email. And yes, when you email me, I do see them. I just want to throw that out there. I see everything that you guys send me. But tell me which episodes you typically tune into. (laughs) Which I guess is kind of a stupid question to ask because if you're here listening to this episode, clearly you tune in to the New Testament episodes. But let me know if you tune into the Old Testament episodes also. I'd love to hear about that. And tell me how you started listening to the podcast and where you found it. And just introduce yourself. I'd love to get to know you guys. I actually, um, I'm shocked that my home state is now falling behind some of the other states in America. Right now, Texas is above and beyond with all of my listeners. So yay to Texas. Thank you, Texas, so much for tuning in and for enjoying the podcast as much as you have been. But also, I need to thank California for also tuning in, not to mention Georgia and Florida and Ohio and all of you guys. I appreciate everybody who chooses to tune into the podcast. So yeah, tell me where you're from. Tell me if you're from California or from Texas. And also, uh, let me know what the weather is, where you're at. I love hearing about weather. (laughs) Tell me what type of coffee or tea that you enjoy. And also tell me how you started listening to the podcast. And just introduce yourself. I love hearing from you guys. But faithful listeners, let's go ahead and discuss John chapter 7 today, verses 28 through 36. We're going to be talking about Jesus crying out in the temple and how people want to arrest him. So let's see what John has to say about all of this shenanigans with the Pharisees. So we will be reading John 7 verses 28 through 36 today. Once again, I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. version as I usually do. Jesus, therefore, cried out in the temple, teaching and saying, You both know me and know where I am from. I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you don't know. I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. They sought, therefore, to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. But of the multitude, many believed in him. They said, When the Christ comes, he won't do more signs than those which this man has done, will he? The Pharisees heard the multitude murmuring these things concerning him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Then Jesus said, I will be with you a little while longer than I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and you won't find me. You can't come where I am. The Jews therefore said among themselves, Where will this man go that we won't find him? Will he go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this word that he says, you will seek me and you won't find me and where I am, you can't come. So where we left off on Thursday was Jesus was causing quite a stir. This was right in the middle of the uh, the feast of booths, which was a very important feast. It was one of the happy feasts. It was like the feast that commemorated God bringing the Israelites in the Old Testament out of the wilderness and into the promised land. So the Feast of Booths was like a really fun feast and people still celebrate it to this day. 
They'll use it as like a camping trip because you were supposed to like make huts for yourself, for yourselves and like have like a feast with your family and just enjoy each other's company. It was a very fun feast. And the Israelite men were required to go up to Jerusalem for this particular feast. So Jesus, of course, not breaking the law, goes up into Jerusalem to celebrate this feast and the entire like crowds were looking for him because Jesus was already causing uh, a lot of controversy. He was causing quite a stir. He had mentioned um, previous to this that he was the bread of life and that people need to like eat his body and drink his blood, which we went into how that's like a picture of communion. But regardless, Jesus was causing the the crowds to just talk. They wanted to hear about Jesus. They wanted to see the miracles that Jesus performed. They heard about the miracle he performed with the feeding of the 5,000. So they're looking for Jesus. And because he secretly went into the city, like basically alone, they couldn't find him. But finally, he makes himself public and he begins teaching in the temple. And so the the Jewish people at the time were just like, where did Jesus get all of his knowledge? Like he's not educated in any of this stuff. He's not educated in the law. So where the heck did he get all of this knowledge? So the people are becoming very impressed with Jesus's speaking and just who Jesus is in general. They're starting to, some of them are starting to believe that he is in fact the Messiah. However, they have a little doubt in their minds. And we read this actually on Thursday in verses 25 through 27, right before what we talked about today, it actually says, isn't this he whom they seek to kill? Behold, he speaks so openly. They say nothing to him. Can it be that the rulers indeed know that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man comes from, but when the Christ comes, no one will know where he comes from. And I talked about the other day how that was a weird misconception for some reason that the people had because, because they were, according to... What the prophets said about Jesus, people would know where he came from. Like he was going to come out of Bethlehem. He was going to be from the line of David and he was going to be born of a virgin. Those are all prophecies talked about in the Old Testament that the people would have very well known. But I'm going to guess because it was just so miraculous, like all of that and the people just didn't understand it at the time. They just couldn't possibly think that Jesus, who they knew his family they, could, they couldn't possibly think that, you know, he was the Messiah because they knew his mom. She wasn't a virgin in their minds. They knew Joseph, who was Jesus's earthly dad. They knew Jesus's brothers and sisters. So this doubt was forming in their minds like, no way, Jesus can't possibly be the Messiah. Like, we're not going to know where the Messiah comes from. But that's not what it says in scripture. So Jesus answers them. It says in verse 28, what we just read, Jesus therefore cried out in the temple teaching and saying, you both know me and know where I am from. (laughs) So he's answering their question. He's like, yeah, you guys do know me and you know where I am from. And he's discussing like his earthly, his earthly life, right? They know where he's from, from here on earth. But he says, I have not come of myself But he who sent me is true, whom you don't know, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. So he's basically telling the crowd, like, you don't know the full story. Sure, you know my family, you know my brothers, you know my mom, but you don't know the full story. I am from heaven, from the one who sent me. And he's discussing God the Father at this point. 
So now the Pharisees are beginning to understand what Jesus is talking about. He is claiming he is God's son. They get mad. And so it says in verse 30, they sought therefore to take him. In other words, they really wanted to arrest Jesus. They didn't like him. But it says no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. So Jesus had like a divine protection around him. We see this happen multiple times where Jesus was in a very precarious situation, dangerous situation where people wanted to like stone him to death, where people were trying to like throw him off a cliff at one point, uh, where people were like rioting around him and trying to like kill him in that way. Um, We see where... You know, like in this circumstance where officers are trying to go and arrest Jesus multiple times. But because Jesus's hour had not yet come, in other words, it was not his time to die yet. He had to wait until a certain set of (laughs) circumstances. I've tried to say this like three times. A certain set of circumstances. That is like a tongue twister. He had to wait until a certain set of circumstances was complete before he could go to the cross. And once those circumstances were fulfilled, then Jesus would go to the cross and his hour would come. His hour for the purpose of his coming to earth would be completed at that moment. But until that time came, until the circumstances were met, Jesus had divine protection around him. No one could lay a hand on him. But it says in verse 31, But of the multitude, many believed in him just with his teaching and his preaching and his eloquence and his authority that he had. And we know the multitude recognized Jesus's like divine authority because that was often something that the multitude would say. They'd be like, this guy has so much authority in his teaching. Like he just speaks so differently. Like he speaks as as a person that truly knows what he's talking about is like what the uh, the crowds would say. And the multitude begins to believe in him because of Jesus's teaching. And they say, you know, when the Christ comes, is he going to perform more miracles than this guy Jesus does? No way. This has to be this has to be the Messiah. Jesus has to be the Messiah. Like how can whatever Messiah we're looking for, how can he perform more miracles than Jesus already has? And so some of them begin believing because of that, which is interesting because Jesus was not, I don't think at this point, performing any miracles in this temple. Maybe he was. But anyway, the the crowds start to believe him regardless. But other people were like still very much, you know, not believing in Jesus. And it says, when the Pharisees heard the multitude murmuring these things concerning him. So like, in other words, they were beginning to figure it out. They were beginning to come to this belief that Jesus is the Messiah. The Pharisees start getting mad. And it's because of the Pharisees like own jealousy. I don't know. Maybe they were jealous. Maybe they wanted to be the Messiah. I don't know. Maybe they wanted the crowds to think that they were the Messiah. Or maybe they were just filled with so much doubt and criticism of Jesus that because Jesus wasn't part of the Pharisees, he couldn't possibly be the Messiah because Jesus wasn't one of them. Actually, I bet you that was part of it also. Was that like their arrogance in their own position also. But anyway, the Pharisees hear the multitude murmuring these things about Jesus. And so the chief priests and the Pharisees send officers to go arrest him. 
So they're like, nope, we've had enough of this. The multitudes are beginning to believe in Jesus. We don't want to hear any more of this. We're going to send our officers out to go arrest Jesus. So Jesus says, I will be with you a little while longer than I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and you won't find me. You can't come where I am. I wonder if Jesus said this to the uh, to the officers that were like coming out to arrest him or to the crowds. I'm going to guess it was the officers because the officers were like trying to lay their hands on Jesus to arrest him. And Jesus is like, look, I'm going to go soon. <laughs> I'll be out of your hair. <laughs> no, that's not really what he's saying. But he's kind of like, I'm going to be with you a little while longer than I will go to him who sent me. You will seek me. You're not going to find me. You can't come where I am. That's actually a very sad statement if you think about it. What Jesus is saying here is that these people are going to be searching and searching and searching for the Messiah, but they're not going to find him because Jesus was already there. He was already on earth and the people refused to recognize him. And I mean, even Jesus, when he when he rode down on the donkey a week before his death, he wept. It says he like wept over the city. He was so upset because the people refused to recognize him as the Messiah. And because of that, the entire city of Jerusalem was actually going to be destroyed by the Romans. So the people are seeking. They're seeking for the Messiah, but they're not going to find him because they refuse to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. That's one thing that this could mean. The second thing that this could mean is that the people... At this time period, we're seeking God the Father, but because they rejected Jesus, they weren't going to find God the Father. In fact, Jesus mentions that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through him. And so those who refuse to recognize Jesus as the Messiah and refuse to recognize Jesus as God's son and as God, they weren't going to be able to have a relationship with God the Father. But this could also be... Thirdly, that Jesus is just talking to the people who are beginning to trust that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. He could just be saying to them, like, look, you're going to search for me. You're not going to find me because I'm ascending back up into heaven. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that makes a lot of logical sense to me. But this might have one other meaning. This could mean that when Jesus dies and goes into the tomb for three days and then is resurrected afterward, that the Pharisees are going to seek him and not find him because he is going to ascend up into heaven. And we know that the Pharisees absolutely knew that uh, <laughs> Jesus was resurrected from the dead because of the testimony of the um, of the guards that were watching over Jesus's tomb. They saw everything that happened and the Pharisees paid the guards probably a significant amount of money to lie and say that they fell asleep and that the uh, disciples came and took Jesus's body. So they paid the guards to lie. And they also spread around that lie that uh, Jesus was stolen, like his body was stolen by the disciples so that the disciples could claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. And um, that that lie became so widespread because those who didn't want to believe in Jesus, weren't going to, and we're going to find any possible way that they could to not believe in Jesus. So I think maybe that's also what Jesus could be talking about here is that, you know, the, the guards and the Pharisees are going to seek for Jesus after he is risen from the dead, but they're not going to find him. They're going to know he's alive, 
they're not going to find him. So that's four things that that verse could mean. And I think they're all pretty relevant, honestly. But the crowds can't even fathom this. They can't even fathom that Jesus is talking about like ascending back up into heaven where he came from, which is hilarious because right before this, they were like, we're not going to know where the Messiah comes from. <laughs> they truly did not know where the Messiah came from. Like they, they couldn't even possibly understand that Jesus came from heaven. Like they truly did not know where Jesus came from. But um, anyway, they couldn't like wrap their minds around this idea because they were so focused on the here and now they were so focused like on the earth that they just didn't understand that Jesus was from heaven. So here's what they say. They're like, where will this man go that we can't find him? Will he go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? So they're like, is he going to go like take a really long trip to go like, you know, stay with the Greek people? But then they're like probably thinking like, oh, well, we could go see the Greek people. Where is he going to go that we can't find him? <laughs> And what is this word that he said? You will seek me and you won't find me. And where I am, you can't come. The crowds are like perplexed over what Jesus is talking about. They just, they don't get it. They can't possibly understand it. And they weren't going to understand it. And probably the disciples at this point didn't understand it either. No one was really going to understand it until after Jesus ascended up into heaven. And now we have the full picture. But at this time period... The people just didn't have enough belief, enough faith that Jesus was in fact the Messiah and that these things would make sense at some point in the future. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I do hope that you also learned something, possibly. And if you did, please uh, share the podcast if you would like to tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists. But guys, we had a pretty spicy episode yesterday. I talked about polygamy in the Old Testament, if you guys didn't tune in. It was a really fun episode, actually. I, I quite enjoyed doing it. And we're going to talk more about polygamy tomorrow also. So tune into that episode out of Deuteronomy, where we're going to discuss polygamy in the Old Testament and whether or not polygamy was a sin. So that's going to be another fun episode to talk about. So tune in then 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up or whenever you choose really to just listen to the podcast. The podcast episodes never go away, but they do air at 6 a.m. for those of you who like to commute to work. Well, faithful listeners, I will see you tomorrow for that episode and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your night. Happy listening and God bless.